Hello, Lehi. Welcome to our monthly podcast where we discuss different topics that are relevant to Lehi. I'm your host, Cameron. And I'm Melanie. And as usual, we'll be starting off with our mayor's message today. We're also excited today to have with us a special guest, Chief Jeremy Kraft. And he will be talking to us about uh, wildfires and fire danger. Let's get going. All right. For the three of you out there that listen to our podcast every week, <laughs> you know that this is a segment where we talk to Mayor Mark Johnson. Uh, Mayor, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Just absolutely awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, Welcome. great. Well, we're excited to have you here. Uh, it's always fun to talk with you about things that you feel like are important. And and today, we didn't give you the option to talk about things that you feel like are important because we wanted to talk to you about things that we feel like are important. So. <laughs> yeah, the hard-hitting questions. Oh, dear. <laughs> Well, uh, Mayor, Mayor, you're in your uh, first term as mayor, so you're a pretty new to this political scene of public service, right? Yep, never done it before. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah. You joking aside, you've been you were with the city council for was it uh, three terms? Yeah, I was I was appointed, and then I I ran three times and got elected. Okay, so I actually run two times before I was appointed and lost both times. A lot of people don't know that. Oh wow! I just didn't give up. Yeah, I probably should have, (laughs) but I didn't. And uh, and then after serving on the planning commission for three and a half years, I got appointed and then I ran again and and won. Awesome. Awesome. That's that's quite a legacy of service uh, for Lehigh City. So uh, you are uh, now the mayor of the city. You have been serving about three and a half years. Yes. Sound right? That is correct. So why uh, why did you decide to run for office way back when you ran for city council? You know, actually, it was because I had spent a lot of years working in a consulting engineering firm, and I worked with a lot of other cities along the Wasatch Front. I helped put together some standards and specifications for cities, helped them with some road design and, and uh, some things in their communities, and got familiar with how cities operate. And when I came to Lehigh, honestly, I, I realized there was something going on here that I was concerned about. And that was Lehigh was looking like a transient community, meaning that almost all the homes that were in Lehigh were starter homes. And uh, developers would come in and they'd ask for a rezone and they almost always got the rezone to, you know, 8,000 square foot lots, which at the time that's what classified generally as starter home. And there was one street, it was actually... Uh, just south of Main Street and a 700 West. And I I was over there one day, and I can't remember what I was doing in the area, but I realized there was a for sale sign on about every other home, right? Mm-hmm. So I decided, I got literally got out of my truck, decided to walk down, start knocking doors. And I, the doors that had the sales sign on, I wanted to know why. Why were they moving? And and the story was pretty similar as as I was, you know, inquiring everybody. The responses was, we love Lehigh, we want to live here again, our family's growing our house isn't big enough our lot isn't big enough to add on to our house and it everybody wanted to stay in lehigh but they felt they had no options here and so i decided to run and i talked a lot about changing those things that were forcing us to become this transient community which by the way is not a, a good thing to have and i caught the the attention of a few people and they put me on the planning commission and soon after that, then we came out with a, a VLDR, and then not long after that, the VLDRA. And I'm not, I'm not against high-density housing per se. What I am for is 
is across the board mix, a variety of all housing styles. So as people's lifestyle changes, they have an opportunity to move. You know, all of us have lived in an apartment before. All of us kind of prefer to at some point want to have a single family home. And when we get older, we may want to live in a senior community. So that's a long answer to your question. I yeah. apologize, but that's what got me interested and that's what I run. And, and there were enough people that agreed with that philosophy and they elected me. Oh, that's awesome. So how, how do you feel the, uh, the housing landscape, I guess, has changed over the last 20 years? Well, it's changed quite significantly and we can all fairly easily recognize that. As housing costs have increased, it's been more difficult for people to afford large lots which at one time, that's what they wanted. And we're, we've seen fairly recently a change in attitude where most people just want a place to live. They don't care about having a yard to, to maintain every weekend. And they prefer to go out and have their freedom to do something else they want to do on the weekend instead of working in their yard. We see a lot of that. We still have people that like their half-acre lots or their one-acre lots. And so we do have those. I still want to see those be developed here in town, even though it is you know more difficult to get that done. But in reality, I, we have that variety now, and I think that's really important. Yeah, I do too. So, Yeah, I think that it is way easier for someone like me who's coming into Lehigh to find like the apartment and then slowly transition. So I appreciate that there's different options out there. So you were in council. I mean, yeah, council. That was weird. <laughs> and then um, now you're the mayor. So what would you think, what is the most rewarding thing about being the mayor you think oh making everybody happy yeah <laughs> that is the goal that is really <laughs> nice isn't it wow good job <laughs> oh thank you no it's uh i think lehigh has made some very good progress in a lot of areas we still have some challenges that we have to deal with and and i'm, I'm very conscientious of those things that we still need to improve on but but in reality lehigh as we can say is on the map People know where Lehigh is, and I've got several really good stories about that, that uh, we, we are becoming fairly well-known out there as, uh, as being a community that is uh, not only very economically valid in the state of Utah, but also we have jobs here. We have, we have a place where if your kids grow up here, they can get a good job here, and we're working on trying to get them a house here too. So we, we are sensitive to that difficulty right now. Oh, that's great. So that's how, how long have you been in Lehigh? What's your favorite part of Lehigh? Why, uh, why stay in Lehigh? My wife and I moved to Lehigh here in 1993, but I had a lot of background here. I spent, I, I grew up in North County, but, and I had a lot of friends in Lehigh. So as a kid, I actually spent a lot of summers over here and stayed with my sister and brother-in-law and uh, spent a lot of time swimming in, in Dry Creek when you used to be able to swim in it and tube down it and hide under Nuttles Falls and you know there was a lot of things and I so I always had I had very good memories of Lehigh and uh, when my wife and I got married we talked about where we wanted to live and I told her I want to live in Lehigh so I, I had another house uh, at that time also in North County and I just didn't like where I was at and we decided to start looking for property here in Lehigh we found a lot built a home and we're still in that home, and I just absolutely love it here. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, I didn't know you, like, built it. Well, you probably didn't build it, but I mean, like, it was your home from the beginning to the end. That's oh, I built cool. part of it. Did you? Yes, I did. Really? So, yeah, yeah. I guess that would make sense with your background. 
That's awesome. So what is your, you kind of touched about why, but what is your favorite thing about Lehigh? Oh, wow. You know, I, I will have to say, and I hate to say this in front of you, Mel, but <laughs> Roundup Days is like really kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love our parade, right? Uh-huh. And uh, I know a lot of cities like having a, the carnival come to town. I'm glad we don't have the carnival. I, yeah. I love our our. The, the events that follow. I love arts in the parks. I love our concerts. I leave, even love the breakfast before the Grand Parade, right? I've, I've been to that every year that I can remember. And so I love those events. But I also like, love the fact that, that we have this good hometown connection to both our high schools here. So if you were to rate the city events on a scale of 1 to 100, <laughs> what number would you give the events? I'll and you want a hundred events rated or just no <laughs> <laughs> events as a whole on a scale of one to a hundred. What uh, what rating would you give it? I, I I for some reason I feel like I'm being set up. So to be safe, I'll give them an eighty-five. Yes. Oh, hey, that's the highest number you've had. Yes. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. I mean, that is a good compliment, but it's also a little hurtful that you said that you hate to say that around me. <laughs> but that's good. I'm glad you enjoy all of our events. <laughs> well, I think the burning question in all of our minds right now is: uh, there's a rumor out there that you have a certain likeness to a celebrity. Uh, in your wife's eyes, who who would that likeness be? Who would your wife say that you look most like? Oh dear! So yeah, the, so <laughs> this this is actually a true story, and and it's just it's it's kind of funny. I come home one night, and as as you know, I've had a beard ever since I've been mayor, and sometimes it's long and sometimes it's short. And I came home one night. She pulls out this picture and throws it down on the countertop. And she says, "If your beard was that was that length right there, you'd look just like George Clooney." Uh. <laughs> and I looked at George Clooney. I'm saying, "No, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't look like George Clooney, regardless <laughs> of the length of my beard." But she does. She doesn't like it long. She doesn't like it too short. She likes it just the right length. And I guess that was the point. Is uh, his was George the right Clooney. length. And <laughs> that just ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Hey. So you did mention earlier today about your beard and you just said it again that it's but did you not have it before the mayor or being a mayor or is it like a mayor thing well i think while i was on the council i don't remember having a beard the whole time i was on the council yeah it's just like a hey i'm the mayor i'll grow a beard (laughs) he's more distinguished now (laughs) (laughs) no actually uh actually before after being on the council, I resigned I, and I had had enough of politics, so I thought. <laughs> you know, I took a couple of years off and decided I was done until I got encouraged to run for mayor. And when I was encouraged, I, I had just started to grow a beard because I just decided it's the thing. I'm going to do it. You know, they seem to be coming back. Yeah. So I did it and I decided to keep it on through the whole campaign. And, uh, and once I got elected, I'm like, what the heck? Might as well keep it on. So, you know. I play with the length a little bit, but in reality, I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. Well, good. I think the beard is great, Mayor. (laughs) Way to go. Thank you. (laughs) Well, Mayor, we appreciate all the service that you've given to the community as the mayor, but also as a a council member, planning commissioner, and just a resident of Lehigh. And uh, it's it's been great to talk with you today. Oh, thank you very much. Just always love being here. Yep.
All right. So now we want to talk a little bit about wildfires and fire safety. So we have a special guest today, Chief Jeremy Kraft, who is our fire chief. How are you doing, Chief? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, we're excited to uh, get some information uh, from you about our fire department and uh, what we can do to be a little bit safer in how we prevent fires. But first, uh, Melanie has some information she wanted to share with us that is, uh, that's really kind of interesting about the fire service. Yes, yes, I do have some information. So I was just going to read some of these facts, and they're according, they're from our website. So if anyone doesn't trust me, you can look at them. But they're from the National Fire Protection Association study called Home Structure Fires. And this one I thought was interesting. Every 20 seconds, a fire department responds to a fire somewhere in the nation. Is that true? That is true. They've been tracking these statistics for a long time, and it averages out to about every 20 seconds. So during this podcast... There's going to be quite a few fires. Yeah, that's yeah. Hopefully that's, none in Lehigh. Yeah, that's yes. scary, isn't it? Yeah. I, if I can just interrupt quickly, I just wanted to say that I saw a stat once, a quote from Abraham Lincoln online that said, 70% of stats that you find online are false. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. That was a good note. <laughs> yeah. But that one's true. That so one's true. That true. That's, that's a true. good one, as opposed to Cameron's. I'm just saying. <laughs> 40% of fatal home fire injuries occurred in properties where no smoke alarms were present. How about that one? Yeah, you know, I don't have any data of my own to back that up, but it makes sense because probably the next stat you're going to bring up is that most of those fatalities happen between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. And um, people are sleeping during those hours. And without a smoke alarm to wake them up, it, it's very easy for the smoke to overcome somebody. They become unconscious before they even knew there was a problem. That's that's why we, our motto is uh, smoke detectors save lives. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we hear a lot from the fire department that we need to be changing those batteries every six months. So, you know, it makes that annoying beeping noise when your battery is going low, but you can't necessarily rely on that. Is, is that right? Yeah. We, we want you to change them out before you get the beeping sound. And, you know, every six months it used to be with time change is a good, good indicator. Just put it on your calendar to change those out. That way you know that they're working the other thing is, is check your expiration date. A lot of people don't know that uh, smoke detectors have an expiration date. Really? Yeah. But have you ever noticed that that beeping sound always happens at 2 a.m.? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Never, ever in the middle of the day. Yes. Never in the middle of the day. And we don't know why either. We just know it happens that yeah. way. They're, they're built that way, I guess. Why do they expire? It's not like food. So they're photoionization detectors, a lot of them. Uh -huh. And that photoionization wears out, and so they're not as accurate. So they oh. need to be changed out periodically. Who knew? That's this fire time. chief knew. That's it. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> actually a lot of people in the fire Apparently. service. So, um, but with that, what you said about the being later at night, um, this statistic said twenty percent of the reported home fires occurred between eleven p.m. and seven a.m. However, fifty-two percent of home fire deaths resulted from fires reported during those hours. So that's. Kind of another reason I thought that was interesting why it's so important to have those smoke detectors because like yep. you said. The other thing that we have recently done a lot of research on in the fire service is not only have those smoke detectors in there, but close your, close your doors. If you have a kitchen fire and you're in your bedroom with the door closed, it can buy you time, uh, time for us to get there and get you out a window. But with, without a door to impede the fire, it'll just move quickly into that room. So yeah. that's our new motto. That's a new thing that we're teaching is at night, close your doors. Yeah, that's interesting. We uh, learned that uh, when we were watching This Is Us. 
Oh. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler There's alert. There's a fire and this is us. Uh, so. <laughs> I just knew you checked the doorknobs to yeah. see if they're well, hot. Yeah, if they're hot, you check the doorknob and don't go out. Yeah. Let a big, big firefighter come and save you if your doorknob's hot. So, Chief, you're not only responding to fires. You're also medical professionals that respond uh, to medical emergencies. What, uh, how often would you say you're responding to some sort of fire call, and how often would it be a, a medical call? So... Our statistics are, have been very static over the six and a half years I've been uh, the chief here. We do 75% medical and um, 25% fire-related calls. Structure fires, um, it, it's hard to classify those out, but we generally have three to four major structure fires in Lehigh a year, but the rest of them are just fire-related, carbon monoxide, trench rescue, um, something like that. Mm, interesting. So. Yeah, so um, so obviously right now in, in the heat of the summer with the dry weather and stuff, wildfires are, are a significant risk. Yeah, wildfires are big on our mind. We've been really fortunate in Utah so far that we haven't had a lot of significant fires. There are a couple burning, but the Northwest is burning up. Montana is burning up. Unfortunately, I think it's only a matter of time before we get some of those big type one fires here in Utah. It's uh, the dry weather, the drought over the last couple of years, Utah's primed to burn. And, and even into our cities with the droughts, you know, a lot, we've asked our residents to cut back on watering their lawns and they've been super compliant, which we appreciate, but you look at those lawns and they're dry and they're ready to burn. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think we don't think often think about that, especially if you've got a wood fence around your, your property, dry grass, there's a lot of risk there. Yeah. And, and if you really look at landscaping, most people landscape pretty much the same way, right? Grass up to within about three to four feet of the house and then some smaller brush, um, bushes that may or may not be dry, which are right up next to the house. And so as quickly as the fires can move through dry grass and those brushes, we could, it could easily turn into structure fires. Fires that a year ago may not even start burning in a lawn, you know, from a firework or a dropped cigarette or something uh, can definitely become a major fire now. Yeah. Wow. I did not even think about that with the drought. That's interesting. <laughs> that, they pay me to think about those That's things. That's true. <laughs> I'm glad you're around. Well, let's talk about fireworks. We know that there were some restrictions around July 4th. We've got the next big holiday in Utah coming up July 24th, typically have fireworks. What is different this year than we typically would see? So obviously the drought has, has caused us to take a closer look at our community. And we, we have historically always had restricted area, anything north of SR-92. Um, that's part of what we call our wooey, yeah. which is our... Yes, I was hoping that was going to come up. I was up. hoping that Melanie would come that. up, the wooey. <laughs> that's our wildland <laughs> urban interface. Yeah. Um, so anything north of, of SR-92, and then also down our dry, cor dry creek corridor is also part of the wooey. But when we really looked at the city and we looked at our ability to protect and the fire conditions this year, we felt like some more... Um, uh, closures were necessary. So over the 4th, we um, restricted fireworks west of the Jordan River and anything south of Pioneer Crossing. And it worked out really well. And, and to help out those citizens that couldn't light fireworks in front of their houses, we opened some parks. And I think we're going to do the same, not I think, we're going to do the same thing for the 24th. It, it, it really helps us limit our, our exposures in the city. And so for the 24th only, well, 
the whole time the fireworks are allowed to be lit off, those restrictions will be in place. But for the 24th, we'll open three major parks, Vets Park, Sports Park, and Olympic Park for people to light fireworks. So okay. if you can't enjoy in front of your house, come on over. We'll have a fire apparatus at each of those parks to help make sure that you're safe and um, have a good time and hopefully have no fires. So did you have any problems with people complying to that during the 4th? How, how many calls would you say you got that were in some of those restricted areas? So we personally don't track calls like that. We only track the true emergencies. That The calls that came in for people doing something illegal went to PD, okay, police department. Um, they got 57 calls. We feel like we made contact with another probably 50 to 60 people. So compliance was, I know that sounds like a high number, 120, but... In reality, for us, that was pretty good compliance. We we did restrict fairly late in the season, and I, I think that word was, didn't get out there quite as well as we wanted to. I, I will say to our citizens that we made contact with, they, they were pretty amazing, most of them. They understood, and they just stopped what they were doing, loaded up, and went to one of the parks or, or just simply didn't do it. So we're, we're really thankful to our citizens for that. I think that kind of changes the perspective of it all to think like, oh, this isn't just because of the drought. It's because of firefighting. Like we want to make sure that we have the manpower and, you know, it's not just to ruin the fun because of the drought. It's to actually help you guys so that there's nothing out of control. Yeah. One of the big questions we asked ourselves is what can we defend? If it catches fire, what can we defend? And really west of the river and south of Pioneer Crossing, there's a lot of big open fields that could get away from us quickly. And if something got away, that would take all of our resources away from the city. Fires are very manpower intensive. And so then we couldn't protect the rest of the city. We did bring back five extra units. We put five extra units in service uh, for those nights uh, to try to help you know mitigate any situations. But it, it's still, Lehigh Square mile-wise, it, it's a big city to protect. And we're still we're still a small department. We're still growing with the city. So we felt that was necessary. Yeah. So obviously there are some places in Lehigh where you can still light fireworks. If somebody is doing fireworks at their home in an area that is where you're allowed to do fireworks, what kind of tips would you have for them that you'd like them to kind of make sure that they're doing that safely? So have a hose standby, you know, especially with the dry grasses, a bucket of water to soak your fireworks in. I would ask that you soak them overnight because one of the things we see every year and we had, we had multiple, we had, well, we had three of them this year are dumpster fires. Mm. Uh, people will take their hot fireworks, throw them right in their garbage can and they'll light on fire. Generally about every other year we get a house fire out of it because a lot of people have their garbage cans right next to their houses. Garbage can catches on fire. It goes up through the eaves and we get an attic fire in a house. So leave them overnight to soak, you know, do them in the road, stay away from dry grasses. If it's windy, just don't do it. And really my ask of the community this year is just go attend a professional fireworks shoot. There are lots of them in Utah. They're set up, uh, they're, they're overseen by professional pyrotechnics and fire departments and just plain and simply skip a year. It's, uh, it's dangerous this year. Um, yeah. So skip a year and hopefully we get a lot of water this winter and we can get back to normal next year. Yeah, it definitely is dangerous, and the risk is not necessarily worth it. Oh. That's great. What about your, your department? What do you guys do to make sure that you're always ready and uh, for the next, next event? We're always training. We're always training on medical stuff, on fire stuff, and uh, you know, trying to keep up with the, the latest technologies and the 
latest methodologies. I, I didn't bring statistics for training hours, but we, we put in a lot of training hours every year. Um, there really isn't much downtime. If, if we're not on a call, we're talking about medical or we're talking about fire or we're out pulling holes and throwing ladders or even more, we're out in, in the community looking at the businesses, getting an idea if a fire were to happen in this business, how would we handle it? We check our, our uh, fire hydrants every year to make sure that they're up to par, they're working, there's water in it. There's a lot of work that goes in to being prepared. Yeah, that's great. And I, I think it's interesting when you look at Station 83, that's up in the Traverse Mountain area, a really cool fire station, uh, but it's also functional for your training, right? Yeah, it's got a training tower on it. And um, we attach that training tower to the building so we can't light fires in it, but we, we can do a lot of rope uh, rope training in there, high angle training. And uh, it, it's been a really valuable asset, so much so that a lot of the surrounding departments come and use our training tower for those types of trainings. Oh, that's cool. I thought it was just functional because it had the pole and some of the other ones don't have a pole. <laughs> well, it's a functional fire station. Yeah. The pole makes us faster, right? One of yes. the unique things about building a fire station is that the whole design of it is to get out of it quickly, right? Time is everything to us. Time is lost when you have a fire. Time is lost when you have a medical emergency. So uh, during the day, we try to, from the time the tones go off, we, we want to be out the door in 60 seconds and from at nighttime. From the time the tones go off, we want to be out the door in 90 seconds. And we want to be on scene uh, within four to six minutes of any emergency. Oh, that's great. How often do you actually do your your guys actually use the pole? I think quite a bit. It depends. You know, when, when you're young in the fire service, the pole is super cool. Um, <laughs> and then you, you kind of learn at night, maybe you're a little too sleepy to grab a hold of a fire pole. <laughs> uh, so you hit the stairs. But yeah, I think it's used quite a bit. That's awesome. Yeah. It's cool. The little kid in me is, is excited about that. Yeah. So that's cool. The and old guy in me is still, <laughs> I love sliding the pole. Yeah. Four to six minutes though. That's pretty good. That is good. It's um, sometimes if you're in that emergency, that can seem like a long time, yeah. but you know, if you really think about it, especially at nighttime to get up, be from a dead sleep, get up, get dressed, get in an apparatus, get to an emergency in four to six minutes. And if it's a fire, uh, really, we're asking you to perform at 100 to 110 um, percent. It's uh, we like to equate it. We're we're professional athletes, kind of, but yeah. we don't get a chance to warm up because we don't know when our next event's going to be. You know, you would never see a football player walk on a field and four minutes later be in live game, uh, but yet we do it all the time. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That is amazing. I can't do anything in four minutes. So <laughs> well done you. <laughs> well, and, and I think maybe the residents don't know, but physical fitness is a huge part of my vision for um, Lehigh Fire Department. And our people are very physically fit. Uh, we have annual physical tests and um, we make sure that we're, we're ready for anything that, that comes our way. And, and the backside of that is it helps with the stress of the job for the, for our people to work out, you know, get rid of some of those bad calls that might be stuck in their heads. Yeah. Typically in the fall, you have a, a night where you invite the public over to the fire station and, and kind of do some activities with the kids, some training, some teaching. Are you planning to do that this year? I sure hope so. You know, we had to miss it last year. It's, it's part of, it's always in October. It's part of fire prevention week. And uh, it's an event that we love. We get a lot of kids there. We, we have a lot of small activities for them and, uh, it's really a great way for us to interact with the public and, and teach public or fire safety at the same time. Yeah, that's awesome. So, that's so Mel, we've got uh, 
some of that information on our website, right? Is there a place where people can go to find the fireworks restrictions and uh, that sort of stuff on our website? Yes. So they have on their, they're awesome at their website for our website as a whole. But if you go to www.lehigh-ut.gov slash department slash fire, that is kind of where they have everything. They have some of the safety tips. They have the numbers I said, and then tons more. Like there's so many tips on there on what you can do to keep safe. We're also going to launch another um, social media, I don't know, blast, you know, getting it out there. So our social media, we, we put out a lot of information on there, our Facebook page and Instagram. So you can follow us there as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, uh, great page to follow. So if you have questions about whether or not you can do fireworks uh, for July 24th, go to the city website, go to the Facebook page from the city or from the fire department or the Instagram page with the fire department, and you can find find those restrictions. And if you're still not sure, call us. We're happy to talk to you about it. We're happy to let you know uh, where you can and can't do it. When in doubt, please give us a call. Let us help you. Well, Chief, thanks for everything that you do for yeah. the city and, and your, your team as well, the sacrifices that you guys make to uh, make sure that we're safe. We really appreciate all that you do. Uh, you're welcome. It's really my privilege to serve this community. All right, thanks. All right. Well, this has been a good podcast, uh, but I want to talk about something a little lighthearted, I guess. So, Melanie, last week I was up uh, in East Canyon, just up towards Park City, where my family, we typically will go up there and and stay at a resort up there for about five days. I, this time I was up there with some young men doing a, a camp. Oh, that's fine. Uh, but it got me thinking, like, what what uh, what's your favorite place to go to during the summer? So my family, I, I feel like you also have similar thoughts but my family always goes to Yellowstone it is my favorite place yes it is like Disneyland for the woods it's yeah. pretty awesome and if you people don't know Melanie very well you know that she is the bear whisperer <laughs> she knows where to find the bears yes. in the park yeah I actually whisper to bears it's pretty awesome yeah. it's a little bit weird when she's sitting at her desk and she just I starts know. whispering <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's really odd. It's creepy, but it's fine. <laughs> it's who I am. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I do love Yellowstone as Me well. Too. You I, were in a play at Yellowstone. Yeah, I was in a lot of plays at That's Yellowstone. True. That's yeah, true. there's a little theater outside uh, Yellowstone Park in West Yellowstone called the Playmill Theater. And it's a, it's a fun little place to go with your family if you're looking for some fun. Uh, this is not an advertisement. But <laughs> yeah, I worked up there for six summers. So I yeah, Yellowstone's a special place for me. Yeah, which is so funny because when I was interviewing for the job, I was like, that's Cameron Boyle. He was at the Playbill. <laughs> so it was very exciting when yeah. I saw you on the interview panel. Yeah, you're the you're the only person that remembers me from Yellowstone <laughs> at the Playbill. So it's well, awesome. Well, you and the bears is what I what I experience every summer. <laughs> yeah. You know, when, as a kid, I grew up about an hour and a half from Yellowstone. And so uh, we would go up there all the time. We'd actually go up in the fall. They have something in Idaho called Potato Harvest. Oh. Uh, where the kids get out of school for two weeks. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, my family, we weren't farmers, so we would take vacations. And a lot of times it was a day drive up in, into Yellowstone. So That's awesome. We always go and get our scopes, and we go super early. That's where we always see the bears, and we go see wolves and bears. And our my highest count ever is 29 bear sightings. Wow. I say bear sightings because my brother always tries to pretend like they're different bears every time, but I'm – Smart enough to know that they're probably similar bears at least once in a while. But. So 29, do you get there by just like 
coming up and driving up and seeing kind of like a bear jam and you stop there and you see a bear and then like you close your eyes and open your eyes and say two and then you close your eyes and open your eyes and say three. Is that, is that oh my gosh, I can't believe you figured out our trick. <laughs> or we just go really early. That year was actually really awesome because there was a lot of rangers. It was early in the year and they were out there. So they helped us. They saw like, we thought we were doing good because we saw like four bears and they found like six more on the same mountain. So we weren't quite as good as we thought we were. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So what what part of the park do you typically find most of the bears? I was actually sworn to secrecy by my sister not to tell anyone, but I will tell you for the five listeners that are listening, it's Lamar Valley is Lamar where Valley, you see so a lot. Yeah. I don't tell anybody. Yeah. That'll just stay between us <laughs> and all of our followers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's awesome. If you guys uh, want to share with us where you like to travel for the summer, that'd be awesome. Uh, you can comment on our Facebook page as we share this uh, this podcast. So we'd love yeah. to hear hear what you think. Yeah, and we're definitely planning on doing more podcasts. Next month, we're pretty excited. We have our city recorder going to be with us. So make sure that you are subscribing and being a part of our podcast because we're going to continue to do them monthly now that we kind of got our feet on our ground. We're going forward and moving fast. So be a part of it with us. Awesome. That's great. Nothing says fun like a city recorder in elections. Yeah, so. That's right. Teach it. Teach us a good time. Yeah. I think they'll enjoy it. <laughs> awesome. All right, Lehi, thanks for joining us today. Uh, 